It's alleged that for decades, retired police officer Roger Golubsky used his badge to exploit women in Kansas City, Kansas, and it was an open secret. He was known on the street for messing with women that were on the street. I'm Peggy Lowe. Overlooked is a new investigative podcast from KCUR Studios and NPR's Midwest Newsroom. It dives into the whole story and asks, what does accountability look like? Search for Overlooked KCUR. Subscribe. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Tuesday, October 4th. Coming up, a look at the first few months of Kansas City's new program to provide legal representation for tenants facing eviction. So far, hundreds have signed up for the help. Also today, as a candidate for attorney general in Kansas, Republican nominee Chris Kobach promises to sue the federal government every chance he gets if he's elected. Meanwhile, Democrat Chris Mann says he'll focus instead on issues more important to Kansans. The last thing that Kansans need is a politician like Chris Kobach. We'll take a closer look at that race today, but first, a look at some of today's top stories. Some prospective and current employees in the Jackson County government won't have to worry about marijuana testing anymore. KCUR's Carlos Moreno tells us why. Jackson County legislators updated the language in their hiring practices to reflect that the presence of marijuana in an employee's system cannot be a condition of prohibiting employment or promotion. Tony Little is one of the legislators who sponsored the ordinance. He says it made sense to change hiring codes to reflect the reality of today's economy and loosening marijuana laws. In this job market, we need to hire good people, regardless of what medicines that they take or prescribed or whatever. There are still some exceptions to the policy, including positions such as deputy sheriff or park ranger, and if the job requires a commercial driver's license. The county will continue drug testing for other illicit substances like cocaine or heroin. Prosecutors in Johnson County say no local students appear to have been harmed in the case of a former Shawnee Mission teacher now charged with felony sex crimes. For the Shawnee Mission Post, Kyle Palmer reports. Alex Morris is charged with five felony counts of sexual exploitation of a child and remains in custody, the Johnson County Detention Center. A Johnson County District Attorney's Office spokesperson says no local students or children were, quote, involved in Morris's crimes. Morris taught math and was a coach for the girls' swimming and diving team for more than a decade at Shawnee Mission North High School. He was also involved in coaching a team sponsored by the County Parks and Recreation Department. After his arrest last Wednesday, the Shawnee Mission School Board convened an emergency meeting and voted to terminate Morris's employment. Students will be able to get free food and hygiene products from dozens of pantries coming to Kansas City schools this month. KCUR's Jody Fortino has the story. SchoolSmart KC and Harvesters are partnering to bring pantries to 30 public and charter schools in Kansas City. A study from SchoolSmart KC last year found that the biggest concern among local families was food insecurity. Juan Rangel, SchoolSmart KC's Family Engagement Director, said the pantries will make resources more accessible to families. What this has done is really made it a little bit easier uh, because, you know, families go by and pick up their students, they're already at school. They can pick up their student to pick up some food as well. Ron Hell said all pantries should be up and running by the end of October. And in Missouri, a package of tax breaks for agricultural programs approved last week by the House, in which Governor Mike Parson has said he will sign, appears to be nearing passage by the state's Senate. Yesterday, the Senate Appropriations Committee quickly and unanimously passed the measure, which would offer tax credits and other help for expanding meat processing facilities, the establishment of urban farms, and numerous other programs. The bill is the last item on the agenda of an ongoing special legislative session in Jefferson City. It needs to clear one more committee hurdle and pass the full Senate before heading to the governor's desk, which could happen as soon as today. 
The two men running for Kansas Attorney General see the job of the state's lawyer in very different ways. Republican Chris Kobach wants to use the platform to sue the Biden administration and advance conservative principles. Democrat Chris Mann says he would stay closer to home. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service walks us through what has become a very tight race. Chris Kobach has made a political career out of two main issues, illegal immigration and his unsubstantiated claims that voter fraud is a widespread problem. Now Kobach is banking on those same national issues for a political rebound after he lost a run for governor four years ago. Attorney generals have historically focused on state issues. Kobach is betting his campaign on the idea that all politics are essentially national. Open borders. Radical Democrats are devastating America. Now we find out Kelly Warren. Kansas is under siege from the radical woke left. So what are the chances? Kobach says if he wins, his target will be the Democrat in the White House. He wants to spend a lot of time taking President Joe Biden's administration to court and fighting federal laws that he says Kansans hate. And we will win. And I'll wake up every morning having my breakfast thinking about what our next lawsuit against Joe Biden is going to be. But the Republican establishment didn't support Kobach in the primary. As beloved as he is among grassroots Republicans, he's a bit of a boogeyman to Democrats and many moderates. Groups that almost always back Republicans are drifting away. The Kansas Livestock Association is backing the Democrat. The Kansas Farm Bureau is staying out of the race, and there's no word yet from the Kansas Chamber of Commerce, which is practically an automatic backer of Republicans. So Kobach's relatively unknown challenger, Democrat Chris Mann, has a shot. Mann has kept his campaign almost deliberately bland and largely biographical. Keeping people safe. Someone who will ignore politics and focus on the rule of law and standing up for Kansans. That's the kind of attorney general I'll be. Mann has never run for office before. He was injured while serving as a Lawrence police officer. Then he became a prosecutor in Wyandotte County before moving to private practice as a criminal defense and personal injury lawyer in the Kansas City area. He says he wants to be attorney general to help ordinary Kansans and not use the office for hot button political fights like Kobach's voter registration ID law that was struck down in federal court. My opponent, Chris Kobach, has already proven that he's a threat to democracy in Kansas. The last thing that Kansans need is a politician like Chris Kobach. But Kobach describes Mann as a tool of a national leftist agenda, things like bail reform. The attack follows Kobach's new charge against out-of-state liberals, and he's touted the endorsement of national conservatives like U.S. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Cruz says Kobach is the state's best chance to battle against a woke federal government. And Chris Kobach is ready to fight back. He won't just join the fight. As Kansas Attorney General, Chris will help lead it. Kobach must convince people he can win. After defeating incumbent Jeff Coyer in a primary, he then lost to Democrat Laura Kelly in the 2018 governor's race. Kobach brushes it off. After narrowly winning the three-way primary with less than 50% of the vote, he says he doesn't need establishment backing to win. And I think it shows that the ordinary voters of our state you know, will not be told who's going to represent them. A recent KSN and The Hill poll conducted by Emerson College shows Kobach and Mann are essentially tied. Michael Smith, a political scientist at Emporia State University, says the race is close because even conservatives could be tiring of Kobach's combative style. I can easily see someone who voted for Donald Trump, who doesn't regret voting for Donald Trump, who would vote for Donald Trump again, saying, yeah, but Kobach's just lost too many elections. I think it's time to give somebody else a chance. Election day is November 8th. The last day to register to vote is October 18th. 
For the Kansas News Service, I'm Dylan Lyson in Overland Park. That story comes from the Kansas News Service, which reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. In June, Kansas City rolled out its new Right to Counsel program. Since then, hundreds of tenants facing eviction have gotten legal help, and as a result, many may be finding other solutions and staying in their homes. I spoke with KCUR's Salisa Kalakal. So remind us, what is the Right to Counsel program? Yeah, so Right to Counsel, essentially what it is, if you are a Kansas City, Missouri renter and you end up in eviction court, basically you are entitled to get an attorney for free. So they will take on your case. They will essentially be that person uh, speaking with the judge, speaking with the property manager and the property manager's attorney, uh, and they will represent you for free throughout the whole case. It seems like a great program and it's fairly new. Uh, People have been taking advantage of it. Yes. So the program, uh, it passed via city council ordinance last December. It actually got up and running starting in June. So it's only about four or so months old. Um, So far, based on city data from June to August, uh, basically 372 cases have been taken on by a group of about 13 attorneys spread out across three different uh, legal organizations. So that's how many cases they've taken on. And most of them are still being uh, adjudicated currently. But of the ones that have uh, gone through the legal process, most of them have uh, ended up in outcomes that are more favorable to the tenant, essentially avoiding eviction altogether, uh, reaching a settlement with the property manager, and just avoiding that really bad eviction judgment, which can really, you know, follow someone for the rest of their life, and it makes it a lot harder to rent after that. It is working as intended in that it is avoiding eviction and, you know, leading to better outcomes for tenants who end up in the unfortunate situation of, uh, going through eviction court. So 372 cases seems like a big number, especially for so few months. Is that what was anticipated? Is it working the way it was supposed to? Yeah, advocates think it's working pretty well so far. You know, there are some critiques of the program. For instance, um, advocates hope that the city does better outreach. Right now, uh, the Jackson County Court, uh, which does cover most of Kansas City, Missouri, they have an agreement with the city where they send the city a list of names every week of people who have received an eviction filing, and then the city will send that person or that address um, a notice saying, hey, you have the right to an attorney, here's the number you can call, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, That agreement does not exist in the other county courts that cover Kansas City. Um, And just in general, because the program is so new, there are a lot of residents and renters in Kansas City that don't know that they have this right and might be skeptical the first time they hear about it. So advocates really want uh, better outreach from the city, uh, proactive outreach. That way people aren't hearing about this program when they, you know, receive that eviction filing. I know Kansas City isn't the first city to have a a right to counsel program for tenants. Where else does it happen? And and how does this program compare, at least in its early days? Yeah. So uh, San Francisco, I believe, was the first city to establish a right to counsel program. There's a right to counsel program in New York City. Um, Those are a little bit different because in Kansas City, what is unique is that there's no income income restriction. So it doesn't matter how much money you make. You know, you don't have to fulfill a kind of income threshold that Mm. we often see with these kinds of like social service programs. Um, In New York City, I think I believe it's like 200 percent of the federal poverty limit. So it is it is pretty all encompassing. um, But that just doesn't exist in Kansas City. So you don't have to be super poor to no. take advantage of this program. No, no. I don't think they even ask you like your income at all just cuz it's like it's not 
not included in the program. And that's what advocates were kind of fighting for is oftentimes like income thresholds, income limits, they just add another layer of bureaucracy. And when you're going through an eviction, you're only just thinking about keeping your home and making sure you stay housed and having to go through extra steps of paperwork and whatnot is very cumbersome. And uh, when advocates were fighting for this program, they did not want that. Um, Kansas City is the 13th city in the country to have a right to counsel program. Um, and it's been very successful in like New York City and San Francisco. Um, they actually see that evictions altogether go down um, because now that, you know, property managers know about the program and know that, you know, it's not just going to be file and then you know, eviction that they actually have to go through the legal process and the tenant has an attorney. Um, they're actually avoiding filing evictions and just working things out with the tenant uh, before even getting to that point. So have landlords had any reaction to this new program? Some la- some local landlords felt like the program wasn't fair because, you know, landlords don't get a right to an attorney. The pushback to that from advocates is that landlords have the money and the capacity to get an attorney. And oftentimes it's a big property management company. They just have an attorney like on retainer, whereas tenants do not have the same access to money to afford an attorney. And that's oftentimes why they show up in court to represent themselves, which often leads to bad outcomes for them. Um, But in other cities, I think the idea is that having right to counsel not only helps tenants, but it actually does help the property manager and the landlord because it means that, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get the money that they're asking for. They are going to get the money, but it's more like is maybe there's a payment plan that the attorney can work out. You know, maybe, you know, it means allowing the tenant more time to move out of their house instead of, you know, having the sheriff kick them out right away. So the advocates argue that it actually does lead to better outcomes for both the landlord and the tenant because it's just more of an equal playing field. So one more question, Salisa. How can Kansas City residents utilize this program if that's something they want to do? Yeah. So if you are listening um, and you, you know, you end up with, uh, you know, an eviction filing, you can call a city hotline and the number is 816-474-5112. And they'll just ask you a couple of questions, uh, maybe do some intake uh, and they will get you uh, hooked up with an attorney. That's KCUR's Salisa Kalakal, who covers Missouri government and Kansas City's City Hall. Before we go, we want to remind you that KCUR Studios has a new podcast. The first episode is out today. Overlooked is an investigative podcast hosted by KCUR's Peggy Lowe, part of the team of reporters who for years have investigated Roger Golubsky and corruption in the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. Overlooked will reveal the full story and ask what justice looks like for Golubsky's victims. Check out the first episode and subscribe to Overlooked from KCUR Studios wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To learn more about the Kansas Attorney General race and reporting from Dylan Lyson and the Kansas News Service, visit ksnewsservice.org. And for more of Salisa Kalakal's reporting on Kansas City, Missouri issues, check out kcur.org or listen to KCUR 89.3. Nomi and Ujia Dean's back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.